Hello and welcome everybody to the Sock Takes podcast once again. I have no idea what episode we're on, so if we should have <laughs> talked about that a few minutes before we started. Off to 31. a flyer. <laughs> 31, the Reggie Miller episode. We are off to a flyer. <laughs> you guys, welcome to the <laughs> Sock Takes podcast episode 31. I am the best host you are going to have this evening. I am Aaron Gunyan. I want, I want to take a few minutes to introduce my co-hosts for this evening we have the lovely the talented the creator the founder the mastermind behind sock takes kevin johnston kevin how are you doing welcome to the podcast the lovely was the only applicable comment of what you just said but <laughs> i'm doing great thanks for having me sweet baby let's talk some soccer i'm ready i'm excited um we have somebody else with us and he's more infamous than famous and and Eventually, his head is going to be so large, he will not fit into most rooms <laughs> made for normal-sized people. We have a doctor, not a real doctor, mind you, but we have a doctor <laughs> of instruction. Dr. Shil Napoon Chopra, PhD. Napoon, welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling this evening? I feel a little annoyed that I have to talk to you. You, you don't even have a fucking PhD, dude. I don't know why... I'd, I don't I mean, know why I waste my time answering to you when you don't even have a PhD. Why am I wasting my time? Mere well, please. You just mock me whenever <laughs> I stop talking. That's basically how. <laughs> no, it's absolute pleasure to be back. Uh, we we haven't have we done one of these in a while? It feels like it's been a while, at least for me, where it's just been the three of us. So good to chat with you guys. Uh, lots happened in the last week, and and we should start unpacking some of that. There has been a lot happening, and if you're just tuning in, it's episode 31 of the. <laughs> we uh, we want to take a few seconds here at the beginning of the podcast and talk about something that does mean a lot to us, and we're we're going to be serious for just a second. The hurricane Maria has has gone through a section of the Caribbean that is near and dear to our hearts. Puerto Rico has been affected quite heavily by storms rains winds and what Napoon has done is is set soccer aside and in the last what eight hours or so Napoon has created a GoFundMe page in in goodwill toward our fellow soccer people our, our soccer brethren and sistren we have a GoFundMe page actually Napoon Chopra has a GoFundMe page you can find that and uh, all donations are going to go to the staff members of PRFC, which is an outstanding gesture. Napoon, what brought that up, and, and why did you want to get that started today? Well, first of all, I think we should use the word we. I don't think it's a Napoon Chopra thing. I think it's a sock takes thing. I think it's an NASL thing. I mean, at a moment like this, it really is a time to set aside ridiculous conversations about NASL versus USL or ridiculous conversations about USSF standards, at least momentarily, and even though... That is what we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast, but at least momentarily to to recognize that there are larger things in life and and people are genuinely affected by this horrific thing that's happened. Uh, what set this motion uh, in motion for me, Aaron, was yes, la last night I was doing a podcast with Karthik Krishnayer and Neil Morris. And just before we started recording, I came across this video on Twitter that showed the stadium, Puerto Rico FC's home stadium, 
and the then the the status of that stadium almost reduced me to tears because it, it really dawned on me how significantly damaged Puerto Rico is uh, when when a when a stadium some of the more stable uh, which which tend to be more stable than regular houses and stuff like that. When the stadium was in the condition it was in, it really drove the, the seriousness of the situation home. And I began to think about the fact that most uh, of the players will have left, not all of them, but a lot of the players left the island in time. A lot of, uh, so they were safe. And a lot of them aren't from Puerto Rico. So, you know, they, of course it affects them. I don't want to say it doesn't affect them. But the people who are affected are people that live there and and, and their homes and their livelihoods and their families are affected by this a lot more than the players. And I and people have heard me talk about this. For, for me, really, the reason to cover soccer at all was, one, my interest, and two, to ensure that people get paid, people like front office staff and people like players continue to get paid. And I have a strong affinity for these young people, pe- you know, people like Scott Stewart that we know, right? People like Scott Stewart who work at Indy 11. He's someone that has has been out of college two, two, three years. You know, he's, he's, these are the sorts of people that work in front offices, people who are fresh out of college, who don't do this for the pay. Let's be honest, they don't get paid very well, especially in NASL, USL. And because they're fresh out of college, they often don't tend to have a lot of savings. Um, and I just felt that if I wanted to, crowdfund something. I didn't want it to be raising money for Hurricane uh, Maria because a lot of much more important people than I am doing this. So I wanted to focus on something I truly care about, and that's the front office staff of these clubs. And uh, the the goal for this crowdfund entirely, all the money will go towards, uh, uh, will be donated to Puerto Rico FC's staff. I haven't even, you know, I haven't even run this by them. I mean, I'm not. I'm sure they're not going to say no, but this is just something I feel like we should all come together and make sure that whoever needs the money, uh, whoever needs the money in that front office staff, has at least some assistance from us because you know we're thinking of them and and we have their backs. You've been getting tremendous support from across the country. Have you been pleased with the support you've gotten thus far? I mean, your tweet out there today, something like 40, 50 retweets. You've got a lot of money coming in so far. How much money is in on the GoFundMe? Yeah, so we've we've had support from people in USL, from people in NASL. Um, right now, the amount is sixteen uh, one thousand six hundred and ten dollars. The goal is ten thousand, and ideally, I would like to raise it even higher than that. Um, but we need significantly more help. Uh, I mean, it's sixteen ten, but truth be told. Over half of that has come from two donors. So, in my opinion, not enough people are realizing the seriousness seriousness of this situation, and we need more people to to help. Uh, and remember, like even if you're donating five to ten dollars, you are moving the needle. And truthfully, I say this without any reservations. If you care about people, that's all you should ever worry about is moving the needle a little bit, and that's all we can do in our lives. And this is true for anything you do you do in your life. If you're moving the needle a little bit, even the tiniest amount, you are making an impact. So don't think that you by donating five dollars or something, you're just wasting time. That those five dollars are important and make sure you, you know, retweet it and share it with your family, someone who might be able to share more uh, donate more money if you think it's more important. So 
uh, yeah, well, we are at sixteen ten, and we want to be in by uh, want to be over ten k. You've moved me. You've inspired me, like you do so many days. Um, I want to be more like you. You inspire me to be a better man. But if other people are inspired, and this is where we turn it into the telethon, and then we'll move right on. If other yeah. people are inspired, like me, like you, like KJ, to do something, what can they do? Where can they go right now to make sure they donate and help out the staff for Puerto Rico FC, who have no doubt been greatly impacted by the storm? Yeah, so if you go to GoFundMe and search for PRFC, you will find it there. Or you can go to my Twitter pay, my Twitter bio, uh, Nipun Chopra 7. It is the pinned tweet on my Twitter bio. I will make sure it is the pinned tweet at least momentarily on the Soctakes account as well. Um, and so, yeah, w- however you need to find it. If you if you have trouble finding it, email one of us, uh, you know, Nipun Cho- Chopra at Soctakes.com. Get in touch with KJ. Any of us will direct you to the page uh, so that you can donate and you know genuinely appreciate everyone that's donated so far i really really appreciate it and uh hoping to get to 10k so we can help people so we're going to switch from being the salvation of the league now we're going to i'm using i'm using this deep dark tone this ominous tone we're going to switch talking about the salvation to the death and destruction uh, nice. That you have rained down upon us, Napoon. <laughs> Deservedly so, mind you, because we were having a good time watching the NASL, just you know, enjoying and having a few laughs and watching some players kick some balls around in 2017. We knew that that wasn't going to last, right? I mean, at the end of last season, we were having a good time. Teams were doing well. People were having a great time eating popcorn, having beers. 2016 was a shit show. 2017 was going to be something different and 2017 is now a shit show what has happened in the last few days is definitely unprecedented in lower division soccer it is probably unprecedented in professional sports the governing body of soccer in the united states is now being sued by a professional league for antitrust reasons i think there's something we need to recap just a little bit and and briefly touch on Kevin, I know we've left you out a little bit because you are not the destroyer nor the savior. Uh, but right now, I want to bring you into this podcast, and I want to really pick your brain, and and maybe you can help recap for us what's gone on in the last few days. Maybe touch on some some bullet points, and then we'll come back and we'll dissect those as we move forward. Yeah. So without giving too much backstory, um, if you've been living under a rock and you're a soccer fan. The NASL filed a federal antitrust lawsuit um, against the U.S. Soccer Federation. And without being too negative, I just, I don't know. You know, the NASL, I have trouble kind of figuring out what their game plan is. And I hate to say it, but it almost, the vibe I get is kind of that, um, you know, the crazies took over the asylum type of vibe. Um, another thing we'll get into more in this later, probably, but I'll touch on it briefly now, um, is that Napoon reported just yesterday, um, he found out that the vote, in fact, to proceed forward with the litigation was not a unanimous vote among NASL owners. So we cannot confirm exactly which owners did not vote yay for the lawsuit. But one thing we were able to confirm is that FC Edmonton was not a part of this vote. Uh, maybe Napoon can shed a little more light on that here in a second. Um, I don't know exactly what happened there, 
but it, either they were left in the dark or they deliberately abstained. I don't know, but apparently they just kind of found out after the fact with uh, like some informal phone call or something of that nature. So the thing about the NASL is I haven't read through the, this whole lawsuit yet. I plan to this weekend. I've just been busy, but I definitely want to read every single word of this thing before I make you know too many judgments. But I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the main points of it already, just having talked to people. And the feeling I get is, well, for one, what I don't understand is, okay, we try to be impartial here, right? So for a second, let's just pretend that there is some, let's just pretend there's a lot of merit in the lawsuit, okay, or some. Yeah, let's pretend you're hosting this podcast. Go ahead. (laughs) So (laughs) um, if, you know, from the NASL's perspective, if you're pointing out flaws in the system, right, and let's say there, there there are merit to the points they're making, it really only is applicable if, you know, you have your shit together. You know what I mean? You have your ducks in a row. They they tried to become first division, you know, um, over the past year or so. Um, that was pretty much laughable. It's The league is crumbling, crumbling apart, and they think that they're as good as MLS. It's just ridiculous. And that's what I'm saying, you know, obviously, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, USL, MLS, some, whatever, USSF, they call it a conspiracy or whatever to, um, to keep MLS first division. Well, the NASL just does not warrant first division. They shouldn't even be in conversation. Like they shouldn't even be at the, at the dinner table with first division. That never should have been a factor or whatever. And they were lucky to even retain second division. They didn't really even deserve second division, in my opinion. So again, I said, I'm I lied. I said, I hate, hate to be too negative. I've been negative, but I just don't think that <laughs> like, to be honest, you, it's hard to take the NASL incredibly seriously right now. And, um, my hotaki for the evening, my hot take is that um, I believe that the, the next wave we'll see might be internal. As the NASL, if it slowly starts to implode, um, I could see owners turning on the league, um, owners turning on owners. Possibly we might see some internal litigation. I don't know, that, that's my hot take. So I'll kick it back over to you, uh, sweet baby and, and Napoon. And what do you guys think about this thing? Well, as you said, you know, the knee jerk reaction is that the league is crumbling and and they're, again, in a laughable position where they're pointing at somebody else and saying, this is your fault, when clearly NASL has, have done themselves no favors. I personally, after having read through a lot of other people's opinions online and, and having read through some of the documents provided and, and some legal analysis here and there, my position has mellowed a touch. Now, I still think that this is a long-shot Hail Mary from NASL. This is the only play that they could possibly make right now if they want to succeed going forward. However, I don't think it's as crazy of a concept. So I want to know, Napoon, to you, do you do you think the same way you did two days ago when you heard about this? Has your opinion changed at all? Have Have you progressed in any way in your thinking? Um, yeah, I mean, my, uh, if, if the question has my, is my opinion of it the same as it was when I initially heard about the litigation? Yeah, correct. You know, like no. I, I did a spit take and said, what the hell are they doing? You know, and, and I laughed and I said, God, they're just, they're just praying again. And, and so I'm in a different place. They're still praying, but yeah. they have a point. 
yeah, uh, I mean, I think that that's actually a really good way to to summarize it. Jokes aside, Aaron, is that they are praying, but they, there is validity to what they are saying. Uh, when I heard about the litigation coming through the morning, like a few hours before it was released, I believed, I thought that it was a much smaller piece of this than it ended up being. I didn't think that NASL would be going with to the extent they're going to. The, you have to remember that not only are they asking for an injunction. So I, I, I thought at the time that it was going to be an injunction to prevent loss of D2. I, I, I think if you were following this story closely, you suspected that that might happen. So yeah. I don't think that caught many people by surprise. The extent they've gone to, guys, is is what is what is remarkable, and that is what didn't, in fact, make me do a spit take when I read it, read through it the first time, which is that not only did they want the injunction, they want to get rid of of uh, divisions altogether. They want the market to decide which team is viable and which team is not. This is basically. If if you th- at, at face value that's saying okay it's a free market libertarian idea whatever okay you can make that argument, but you have to realize that without divisions, you can't have prorel, for example, right? So in essence, if this litigation goes to the extent that it wants to, it makes the cast filing, for example, completely worthless because there can be no prorel without divisions. So there's a lot at stake here that I, I I wonder if if it was even thought through because Rocco Camiso, who has publicly come out in support of the CAS filing, is now filed a litigation that invalidates the ultimate goal of the CAS filing. So it is just kind of throwing shit at a wall at the wall and seeing what sticks approach. And uh, Neil uh, uh, Neil yesterday Morris. not Neil Morris, sorry, uh, Neil uh God, I, why am I so bad with names today? But Neil, the host of a uh, 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 fucking hey, uh, the Yanks are coming podcast, great dude. Uh, even though I'm blanking on his last name right now, even though I've talked to him hundreds of times on Twitter. Uh, Neil Blackman, thank you, idiot Twitter. Neil Blackman, who's also an attorney, mentioned something interesting yesterday, which was that if you look at some of this litigation, it's phrased in in a way that is just hoping that something will stick. And that something, ultimately, the goal is to make the D2, uh, the loss of D2 go away. And outside of that, I don't think NASL really cares what happens. So if, if the goal is to prevent loss of D2, this is basically the literally the throwing baby out of the bathwater approach, uh, no pun intended, sweet baby, and seeing if if there are anything that can change within USSF, um, but and maybe I've gone on for too long. I feel like so. Um, I I think we should discuss some of the validity in in this filing, even though ultimately I think we all agree that this is kind of insane. There are conflicts of interest sprinkled through the litigation, the the filing of the suit. There are clear areas where perhaps Don Garber or Sunil Gulati will have an ulterior motive. But I think that that's one of the things that I'm talking about when I say there is validity to it. You can't necessarily prove that collusion at this point, but right. what, what NASL is trying to do is 
provide reasonable doubt, point the finger and say, look over there instead of look at me, I'm on the burning ship. You know, like NASL has done themselves no favors. We we've mentioned that. Kevin has said on this podcast today that's crumbling around them. There's not enough momentum. Is for there to be no more competition from the outside. They're saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had no competition from other leagues when the whole time they've been trying to challenge other leagues for league distinction? What you said is spot on. There's hypocrisy involved. They want to be D2, but at the same time, they say divisions don't matter. It's impossible. So let, me, let me say this to, to what KJ said earlier. KJ brought up an interesting point. So first of all, this is not unprecedented. The, this ha- uh, NESL has attempted to sue USSF before about two or three years ago when they wanted the D1 status thing. So this is not unprecedented. Just the enormity of this is, is unprecedented. The other part is that NESL is not claiming that they are they qualify for D1 standards today. That claim is antecedent on two or three years ago when by the standards then, most of their markets did qualify for D1. That is the argument NASL is making that USSF has basically ensured that MLS remains D1 by constantly moving the goalposts. And if you come in from the perspective that there is a conspiracy, if you come in and read this 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 document with the frame of mind that there is a conspiracy, what they have done, the, the whoever has designed this document, they have created a very strongly, oh, this is a very poor phrase, uh, they have created a conjecture, a conjectural set of observations that support that. But if you come into, the, uh, so for example. So like if you're just scratching the surface <laughs> yeah. of conjecture or however you do it. <laughs> yeah, if you're scratching the surface of this whole conversation, then uh, you might just walk away thinking that there is indeed a conspiracy. But if you come in from an objective frame of mind, and this was the point I was making on uh, Neil Neil's podcast yesterday, was Neil Blackman's podcast, is that if a judge is going to come into this litigation, not with a fucking bias with American soccer, especially not lower division soccer, he's going to look at these sets of conjectural arguments objectively, and all of them can be basically dismissed as uh, as coincidence and or USSF saying, we've had enough NASL, we've given you too many waivers. And if he says those two things, all of this makes sense. So really, this whole document has been designed in such a way that it is a gaslight for the people of lower division soccer who believe there is a conspiracy, but the people who don't believe there's a conspiracy, they're basically laughing at the premise, at the validity of a lot of these premises, because they are demonstrably false. Yeah, no doubt. You picked one apart the other day, and when you say it, when I say you, I'm actually talking about NASL. When NASL provides this document that says Ottawa left because they could never be D1, and I'm obviously paraphrasing the shit out of that. But when well, it's worse when, than that, it's worse than that, homie. It's worse than that for them to say Ottawa, which is still a club. You know, there's zero point at least zero point two percent validity to that they argued that fort lauderdale well you gave Parkers, some validity to that though you you just science the shit out of that and you gave it 
But imagine them having the gall to say that the reason Fort Lauderdale strikers and Ryo OKC folded was because they weren't given D1 status. That is demonstrably false and, and such a blatant misrepresentation of what happened. You say world. demonstrably false. I say absolute horse shit. We can say that on this podcast. <laughs> uh, we'll I mean, that. there's no other way to do this. One of the one of the problems I have with this suit, and I and I had it at the very moment when we all got together and we started saying, you know, what are our initial thoughts when we hear this? And and the entire sock takes team got together. We all high fived yep. in the middle, and a rainbow came out. It was it was <laughs> fucking awesome. But my first thought was, why wasn't this a problem last year? You know, obviously, NASL had attempted this D1 collusion story before, but they put it to rest. And at the beginning of 2017, they had even publicly made a statement saying, you know what, we're going to play nice. We're going to follow all the rules that USSF sets forward for us. And we look forward to collaboration and all this rainbows and sunshines. And, and, and they stopped doing that. And if you watch one or two or three, let's say you just spend an afternoon at home and you watch Judge Judy, you know exactly how this plays out when the girlfriend breaks up with her boyfriend and now all of a sudden somebody wants the back rent. Like, it's immediate. It's a, You can tell exactly what's happened here. This is a scorned lover type scenario. They feel like they were, uh, NASL feels like they've been betrayed by USSF with this revoking of the D2 sanctioning, and they are now lashing out horribly and and they've turned lower division soccer into a a prime time or not prime time daytime courtroom show where now we have to settle this uh, with with everybody watching and airing all the dirty laundry it's it's pretty sad truthfully because if they were fine with it in january they should be fine with it now but what happened was they didn't get their way um, didn't make enough progress the United States Soccer Federation has clearly said you're just not good enough, and we don't see you getting there. I think we said in the last podcast. I mentioned it. I said, you know, it seems like USSF is picking their horse. They have now decided. I think that USL is is the one they're going to go with, and it makes sense to me. They're a stronger league. They get more traction. They have more people uh, nationwide. They're in more states. They're in more markets. They. They get more expansion. It's it's just from a from a nationwide perspective. Why would you want to be supporting a league with only eight teams, where everybody plays each other five times? Why would you want to support a league that every single year you have two or three teams in question? Are they going to leave or are they not? Last year, NASL lost five. This year, you have North Carolina FC as a big question mark. You have San Francisco Deltas as a a blossoming question mark with with an uncertain future. Uh, Indy Eleven is clearly, you know, one of those teams that we we might not know what they're going to do, but they're they're certainly going to be looking at options in the future. I don't know what to think of all of it. Edmonton. Except, let's not forget Edmonton is likely likely oh, I would that, say going to that's uh, huge. Yeah, you know, Canadian Premier League. I mean, yeah, I, I don't see a way. By, unless the Canadian Premier League doesn't take off, I don't see a way they're not in Canadian Premier League. Uh, and then, you know, even before Hurricane Maria, there were ser- there have been serious issues at Puerto Rico FC. Uh, and yeah, that's so you're talking about five out of you've just mentioned five out of eight clubs um, that you with uncertain futures. 
with uncertain futures. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I put words in your mouth, but whatever. That's what she said. You didn't. I mean, she didn't say that to me. <laughs> she doesn't like it. So we've recapped. We've gone over some of the things. I guess now's the time when we can maybe try and do a little crystal ball uh, just for a second and see maybe put your money where your mouth is, a little friendly wager or what have you. What do you think possible outcomes are? What do you think is going to happen? What do you see for the future of American soccer? What do you see for the future of the NASL? Kevin, uh, you've been waiting patiently as Napoon and I just have a great little time here yelling at each other. I feel like I'm yelling. Am I yelling? I'm not yelling. So, <laughs> Kevin, what do you think comes of this? When do we? What timeline are we on? And when do you hit the panic button for the league? Yeah, I wouldn't call it the beginning of the end. I think it's more like the middle of the end. I think the beginning of the end started, you know, a year or two ago. Um, it's kind of been a slow downward spot, maybe a fast downward spot. I'm going to but... stop you because I really liked that phrase. Uh, the middle of the end. It's not a hot take, but it's fucking awesome. So I'm I sorry like... for stopping you. Go go ahead again. Yeah, so it's kind of the middle of the end. And I, I do think that yes. this league is it's not going to survive much longer. Um, and of course I've got to go back and add a little more context to my rant. Cause uh, I didn't quite get in as much passion as I wanted to. Um, <laughs> but w another thing I wanted to point out about the NASL uh, just as an entity. Okay. If you don't have uh, like general knowledge of self you, from a business perspective, um, you know, and you're insecure, kind of delusional, that leads to excuse making, you know, if you think I'm not the best. Oh, and th there's a reason why, why I'm not the best, uh, but it's not my fault. We're being held down by others, you know, it, it's just classic um, lack of self-awareness by the league and a little bit delusional. And it just this whole thing reeks of sour grapes to me. It's just like a pouty teenager that can't get their way. Um, and as far as using coded language like collusion and conspiracy, I, I, I honestly look at it just as normal favoritism. I know some will disagree in the lower di division soccer, but um, to give an example, okay, let's say uh, Aaron, you know, let's say you're running sock takes, okay? Hello. You're, you're, yeah. the, you're the managing editor of sock takes, right? Um, some yes, guy like correct. our new writer, shout out to James Poling, you know, he comes along, he's got experience sure. at the Oklahoman, uh, very good writer, experienced, gets the job done, has the contacts, can write any type of story. And then he reaches out to uh, to you. And then on the other side, you've got, um, some guy that, you know, has like uh, coming off a heroin addict. He writes heroin <laughs> habit. Sorry. He writes like once a year. Um, you sound like for, me right now. Continue. So, um, but and this guy reaches out to you that oh hey Aaron I'd love to write for sock takes you know you're not gonna show favoritism to the guy that's a laughing stock you know what I mean you're gonna be like oh hey James uh, welcome aboard buddy and, and that's kind of what it is the USL is in a much better place the ML MLS is in a much better place and there is nothing about the NESL that warrants um, any type of I don't know what the word is I'm looking for but. Um, any type of coddling or any type of hookups like, Oh yeah, let, let, come on NASL. Let's bump you up to the top of the ladder. Let's move you up the rung. You know, come, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question is, is a lower level American soccer with two division twos beneficial to American soccer? Um, I can't answer that. I honestly, I don't know. I don't, 
I'm indifferent. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's well. Good. I'm leading you. Uh, I'm leading you. I'm saying the point is they need to they need to cut their losses and move on. I think yeah. that this strengthens American soccer as a whole by by putting some of this madness to rest. NASL is not getting their shit together. They're just not doing it. And you've got to cut your losses at some point. There will be teams that are lost. There'll be front office staff that are looking for jobs, and I don't wish that on anybody. Trust me, I don't. But perhaps with a strong Division One and a stable and strong Division Two, we can start to fill up a strong and stable Division Three, and and then we can really start doing this thing and having proper pro rel conversations. Right now, I don't think you can have those conversations. I think they're premature. If everybody's, you know, there was a time just. 10 days ago where it was potential to have two division twos and two division threes. I mean, that's, that's bonkers town. And that was actually about to happen. You know what I mean? So I I think you're dead on. I think that USSF needs to cut their losses. And I think, again, I'm putting words in your mouth because I'm the fucking host. I think (laughs) Napoon, you're the one who knows everything. Truthfully. I mean, if I ask you, you'll tell me, you know, everything. And if, if other people ask you, you know, they'll tell you that you know everything. So what's going to happen? Just at, a surface, just at a surface level. Just at a surface level, what's going to happen? And if you want to scratch the surface, conjecturally speaking, right now, <laughs> with, with your limited access to whatever you have, what do you see for the future of American soccer? What do you see for the future of the league? Nobody knows, dude. That's, That's boring as shit. Get off my <laughs> fucking podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, host. Sorry, host, sweet baby. Can I You're not even going to play. Real quick, Aaron? Kevin, yeah, God please, damn it. Please. I got to jump in. Actually, I, I do want to hear what Kid has to say. I do too, but I mean, so, he keeps he, he doesn't let me. He doesn't let me. <laughs> damn it, KJ. So by my own admission, this is a complete reductionist take. I, I'm Without a doubt, I admit, I'm showing the extremes here. But just to kind of, you know, hammer my point home and kind of emphasize where these leagues are at, you know, I hate to do it with the extreme examples. This is absolutely the ceiling versus the floor. But look at Atlanta United's debut at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, 70,000 plus, right? And compare that to the San Francisco Deltas, their opening night at Kizar Stadium. What did they have, like 1,900 people, 1,500? I mean, that's the juxtaposition we're dealing with. Uh, That's... You know, that's the ultimate extreme example, you know, and I hate to go to those polar opposites, but that is kind of what you're looking at in a nutshell. When you compare where MLS is at to where NASL is at, you can just look no farther than that example. It's a stark contrast. Those are the extremes. But even if you move in off of those extremes more toward the middle, it's still a huge gap in where these leagues are at. Absolutely. So I, I guess we can we can put that past us. And we can head to something a little bit more hometown for our hometown listeners in the Indianapolis area market. Kevin, you have some updates on the Butler soccer program that's doing quite well this year. Do you want to hit us up with any of those facts and figures? Sure. Absolutely have to start with the women's team. This Butler Bulldogs women's team, they played tonight. They just rattled off their seventh straight victory all seven was it a with shutout? a clean sheet. Yes, it was a shutout. Oh I don't care what level you're playing at, from rec all the way on up to the highest d- pro divisions. If you put up seven rec. clean sheets in a row, all victories, I mean, that's absolutely impressive. 
Um, this do- this bulldog team, they already they snuck into the already re- others receiving votes category for the top twenty five. I think if they if they win their next game, I expect to see them next week maybe finally debut in the top twenty five. But um, this women's team, they're they're shattering expectations. They're way better than anyone thought. And um, it's been very impressive. Actually, tonight um, was kind of a laughingstock. It was a 10-0 victory. That's right, 1-0, 10-0. It was against a very poor Chicago State team who didn't have much firepower. But it just kind of, once again, it shows the the kind of balance that this team had. Even with the 10 goals, uh, not one player had a a hat trick on Butler. Uh, A couple people had braces, but it was very spread out. Everybody got in, everybody played, and everybody played well. And this women's team has been a joy to watch. I've been following them closely pretty much every game. Um, I might have missed maybe one of their home games, but I've tried to make it out to every game. And um, they're a joy to watch. They play beautiful team soccer. Um, they got talent all over the field. Uh, the bench the bench is also quite strong. When they come in, there's not a drop-off at all in the level of play. And look out for the Butler women's soccer team to debut in the top 25 very soon and also be a force in the Big East. Now, briefly over to the men's team. One of the best games I've seen all year at any level was last weekend. Butler opened up Big East play against Creighton, which is a very strong program. I believe Creighton, they've made three or four consecutive um, round of 16 appearances in the NCAA tournament. So very strong club. Um, as I mentioned with the Butler women's, both Creighton and the Butler men were just outside of the top 25. Butler had been in there all year, um, but after a, a little rough patch when they had some injuries and illnesses, they dropped just out of the top 25. But like the women, they're, uh, they're lingering in that others receiving votes section, uh, kind of the purgatory for being ranked. So yeah, both this Creighton team and Butler team are very comparable. Creighton jumped out early to a 2-0 lead. I was kind of getting worried. You never want to lose a home opener in conference play. Um, And the Bulldogs were on the verge of doing that. But um, in the last, I think, 13 minutes of the game, I think the first goal came in the 77th. So they pulled one back in the 77th through Brandon Gould. Shout out to him. He's a freshman forward. He's really just come out of nowhere and kind of been the catalyst for this Bulldogs offense. He's become the go-to de facto head honcho goal scorer for this team. So he pulled one back in the 77th. A couple minutes later, scored another one um, to match the the Creighton player. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I think um, Lopez Espin is his last name. Um, he put up a brace. So Ghoul matched his brace. And then if you're not familiar with the college rules, they do go to extra time, um, but with no shootout. So at the end of the extra time, it will be a draw, but they do play the extra minute. So... And the extra minutes are golden goal. So went into extra time, and Butler put away a header. It was a beautiful header that just kind of soared over the goalie, almost like one of those chip headers that just sailed into to the top corner. Um, and, of course, the players uh, mobbed the goal score. The, the bench cleared, and it was a great moment. It was a great comeback, and it was just an absolutely great way for the men's team to start their Big East season. So... Uh, I'll stop rambling about Butler soccer, but you know I'm super excited about both of these teams. Um, I'm, we're thrilled at Sock Takes to be able to cover them. We've got some good relationships with the um, communications people there. So it's been a great ride so far, and looking forward to covering this team, um, the men's and the women's teams, all year long. Can I can I say uh, yeah. uh, really quickly, KJ, I'm really proud of you guys, the way you've covered Butler, mostly you, KJ, also Aaron. I've, I've 
genuinely done nothing with this. I'm just proud of you guys because, you know, we need more people to cover our local teams. And I wish I had more time and I feel guilty saying this, but I wish more people, including myself, had more time to do this. So, KJ, the fact that you take time to go to a lot of these games and you keep telling us, encouraging us to do it is much appreciated and, and you deserve a lot of credit for it. So kudos. Right on. Absolutely. Right on. And Aaron, this uh, love fest continues. Go ahead. Aaron, I don't believe you've made it out yet to a women's game, but you've been to what? Two men's. Is that right? I have. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious to know awesome. uh, what are your, what are some of your thoughts on, on this men's squad? Well, first of all, I'm really impressed with the level of play and specifically with regards to the passing. Butler men's soccer team is, they are a very good passing team. And just like any other team, when your passing is on, you can pick opposing teams apart. And that's what they've done when I've watched. The one, the first game that I caught, they happened to lose to uh, Western Michigan. But the entire match, they were a better passing team. I think there was just a run of play in 10 or 12 minutes when Western Michigan just put their four shots away or three of their four shots away, and uh, the goalkeeper was helpless at the time. Listen, I think it's a great program. I think the coach has done a masterful job of recruiting talent, and it's actually really entertaining. I'm not selling it. you know. I'm not working for Butler University, but there is no reason not to get to a game if you're in the area. It's an awesome stadium. It's a really intimate feeling, and uh, I know the the kids out there on the field will really appreciate it. Also, Indy 11, if you want to do this tie-in, has had two former Butler players play for them. Uh, Zach Steinberger a couple years ago, and now he is with Jacksonville. And now currently, David Goldsmith is earning some pretty regular minutes on the squad. I think that that is a testament to how good this program actually is, that they're producing professional players. Absolutely. Um, they're a complete joy to watch. They might have a couple future pros on the squad now. Um, I know Lewis Suddick. I don't know if you've been able to see him yet, Aaron, because um, he actually was out with uh, double calamity. He he was one of the guys who was had a minor knock and was sick. Um, the goalkeeper, Eric Dick, one of the best goalkeepers in the country, in my opinion, um, he was out sick for a game or two. That was the loss to Western Michigan. Uh, he is but, a beast. He's healthy now, but he is a beast. Yeah, kid's a six-five beast. Um, he's very dominant. He also, for a guy that size, has amazing reflexes. I um, in the Creighton game, he made one or two diving reflex saves. That you know, I was like, man, is that like a um, an overgrown Brad Guzan in his prime or something out there? <laughs> um, but yeah, he well, double- yeah, and he's a risk taker as well. We, you and I have both commented on that. He is he is a keeper that's not going to shy away from contact and and challenge absolutely everything. He does not like that ball coming anywhere near his box, and that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, we we pointed that out. Um, a couple times he kind of came out of his box and played the ball, like once with his head even, and other times with his feet, kind of in traffic. So, yeah, he's fearless, um, almost to a fault at times. So maybe he needs to rein yes. some of that back yeah. in. It um, will bite him. It will eventually bite him, but it's a lot yeah. of fun to watch. Yeah, but he's had uh, great performances this year. He missed the Western Michigan game. Uh, that was a Butler loss, but that was a quality loss as well as the very next week Western Michigan snuck into the top 25 
So by no means was that the type of loss to to hang your hat on. They were without their goalkeeper. Suttick was also out, and some other um, well-established player was out too. But they also, of course, lost right. Jared Timmer. Uh, Do you want to wrap up this podcast or talk about women's field hockey? Let's talk oh, field I'll hockey. I'll talk about women's field hockey all day. Cricket? Every day. Cricket. Hold on, Kevin. Hold on, hold on. I was rude. I was rude, Kevin. I'm sorry. That joke didn't play very well. Kevin, (laughs) finish up your thoughts on Butler men's soccer. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm pretty much done. But, yeah, to wrap it up, they're also several games ago, they lost one of their best players, Jared Timmer, central midfielder, for the entire season. So that was a huge loss. And I wasn't sure how the, the team would respond. But... And it, it wasn't pretty there for a while when they had the, the illnesses and injuries piling up. But good news is Suttick is back. Eric Dick, the goalkeeper, is back. So besides Timmer, who's out for the year, they are back to full strength other than that. And the men's and women's squad are going to be forced to be reckoned with in the Big East and hopefully thereafter in the NCAA tournament too. So go out and support uh, both of these Bulldogs clubs. I like it. I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm, I'm a jerk. I, I just... I don't like myself, and so <laughs> what I do is I latch out at others who are successful <laughs> and smarter than I am. Picks or it didn't what happen. An, what an I idiot. Really, he doesn't even have a PhD. Really, what an idiot. I really, <laughs> he doesn't even I don't even know how to spell PhD. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking peasant. Yeah, player-hating degree. We've got... <laughs> A lot of love going around right now. Uh, we've got the GoFundMe and another schedule update, actually, and we'll start closing up with this. The Indy 11 match that was supposed to be scheduled for this Saturday at Carroll Stadium has been postponed. Mm-hmm. Napoon, did you have a date on that? Yeah, October 4th is when it will be replayed. Yeah, the Puerto Rico Football Club will not be making it. They have other things to do, and we wish them the best, and we hope that all the players and the families and all the staff are all safe and taken care of. There is absolute total destruction. If you need to help out, if you want to help out, again, you can go to GoFundMe. You can search Nipun Chopra, or you can look up uh, Puerto Rico FC. You can go to his Twitter page, at Nipun Chopra 7. That's the only time he's actually given his official Twitter handle on this podcast. It's pretty fantastic. You also have an opportunity to keep spreading the love for sock takes we've been working very hard we've been producing content for you potting taking time out of our day napoon is breaking stories left and right he is destroying the sanctity of united states soccer (laughs) from within he's actually he's not a shill so much as as a cancer and (laughs) i know that because i you i call him my friend and you can find us on Twitter at Sock Takes. You can also find us on Patreon and you can help donate and support us and keep providing this content for everybody because we do care about soccer, lower level soccer, uh, major league soccer, college soccer. We absolutely care about all of it. We want to make sure that everybody has access to as much of it as they can get. We want more writers. We want more people providing content for us. So if you have any extra time, find yourself on patreon.com forward slash sock takes you can make a monthly subscription and then we'll provide extra sock takes content just for subscribers we're going to change some of our policies up and so we're going to make it even sweeter we'll get to that later 
But um, right now, we would like to thank some of our new Patreon subscribers. Kevin, if you have some of that available and, and anybody else who's thinking about it, please do it. It really helps out a lot. And again, it's just going to go right into writing more content. It's not like we're banking this for our future or anything. Um, Kevin, who do we want to thank? Special shout-outs to Patreon subscribers. Special shout-outs to our two newest patrons who actually signed Ooh. up today. John Lucchesi, who's a good friend of the show. I know he's posed questions that we've had on the pod before, so shout-out to John. Hey, John. Also, um, Eduardo Cavazos also signed up today, so thank you so much for your patronage, Eduardo. And our other patrons, our existing ones, shout-out to Gordon Widener, Brian Weigel, Charles L. Fenwick III, Scott Grimes, Joshua Favre, who also, um, sorry if I missed others, but I saw Joshua Favre also contributed to the GoFundMe to help PRFC. So our patrons, if you're hearing this, please, please also hop over to the GoFundMe and please support that great cause. So, But give uh, yourselves a pat on the back because you're doing it. You're helping provide lower-level soccer and others with, with the voice that they need. And, and SockTex thanks you, and you guys are doing a great job. Uh, any closing thoughts from you, Napoon, as we head out? No, uh, you know, try to help out people such as yourself. And that that's what people in Puerto Rico FC are, people just like yourself. That's that's really good. I, I'm speechless. I tried to come up with a joke, but then I thought that would be a really dickhead thing to do. So then I pulled back <laughs> off the joke, and now I'm finding myself talking to myself in an awkward Kevin, do you have anything to say? No final thoughts, just a couple names that I forgot to go back to, but um, also Brandon <laughs> Evans. Shout out to Bay, Brandon Evans. No, no thoughts, so, and, no thoughts. just more shilling. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, they're patrons. we got to shout them out, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, Matt Hominoff also. And yeah. shout out to my pops, Larry Johnston is also one of our patrons. Hey, so, Larry! To all of our patrons, thank you so much, and we look forward to bringing you even more content via Patreon. This has been episode 31 of the Sock Takes podcast. You can find Kevin on Twitter at KJ Boxing. Very good. He's like he's finishing my sentences. My name's Aaron Gunnion. I've had the pleasure of being your host this evening. Make sure you let everybody know how awesome I was. Find me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at A Gunnion. You'll definitely see me on the Reddit. Tell me how awesome I am and much better than Napoon. Definitely more handsome. You guys have a great night. We'll see you soon.